Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. And if you're at home, get cozy because we are about to go into the Word of God. My name is Shelly Zulsdorf. I am the middle school director here, and I'm excited to be a part of this series um, because we're talking about restoration, where we are leaning into the truth that one day God will make all things new and we will experience complete restoration. And last week, Ben Kern's sermon was so good, and I'm totally launching off of what he talked about last week a little bit, and I encourage you to listen to it if you haven't, to go back and listen to it, Um, because he talked about restoring the broken world starts with restoring the broken me. And this morning, I want to dive into how God is restoring the glory of who he made us to be. He is restoring that every single day. And I love that this series has a couch as the image series because that has been my last six months, has been restoring my couch. Now, before I show you a picture of my couch, here's what I need you to know. I need there to be no judgment, okay? We have people here who are uh, creators of beautiful things, and especially interior designers, and their homes are beautiful, and their couches are beautiful. And I need you to know that my couch is more like Lorelai Gilmore of Gilmore Girls. So it's cozy, it's convenient, it's, uh, it works, okay? And, but it's not the prettiest couch. And so before I show you it, uh, I need you to see it. It's something that works for student ministry because I've kids before COVID, they come over and they make a mess on my couch. If you have teenagers, kids, you're like nodding, going, yes, I'm still in that life. That's my life. But over the last six months in quarantine, our dog got sick. We let our dog on the couch, so that's my mistake. But our dog got really sick, and there were fluids spewing out of every which end you could think of. Yeah, so my couch got destroyed. But let me show you this picture. This is what my couch looks like now. Wow, look at it. It's purple because I love purple, and I got it for free, okay? So it's the perfect couch for me. So that's what my couch looks like now, but over the last six months, it has been messy and destroyed. Poor Missy, my dog. She's so sick, and as she got sick over the six months, I'd been spraying stuff on it. I'd been laying pee pads on it. I had been laying uh, towels, and then a friend told me to put the like bed wedding sheets, so then it's like just on it always, not moving around. So that's what my couch has looked like over the months. And it wasn't until I found a vacuum that literally sprays deep into the couch and then suctions everything out in it where you can see it. So those that really find pleasure in like cleaning things, like you see the dirt come out of your couch. That was the only way I could truly get my couch cleaned was when I took it and I went deep in and I did a deep restoration because everything else was temporary. Everything else was a cover-up. It was not until I could get deep in there that I was able to get my couch back to where it didn't smell like pee or vomit or anal glands. So, sorry, (laughs) morning church. But now it's better and Ben and I can sit on our couch. And isn't that what restoration is all about? Now, some people might have said, you should have just thrown your couch out. That would have been way easier. But I love my couch and my couch is worth the work and effort and the hours it took me to deep clean it to get it to where I want it to be. And that is what God is doing in our life every day. He is restoring us back to who he made us to be. And to him, we are worth not giving up on. 
To him, that is why he sent his one and only son, is because he knew that we were worth restoring. He knew our brokenness was not it, and he made us to be more. And so that is why we surrender to him, because we trust that he knows how to restore even the deepest part of our hearts. And so this morning, I want to read a verse that talks about our ongoing restoration with Jesus. And I want to dive deep into 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 18, to understand how God is restoring the glory of who he made us to be. So let's read this together. Since then, we have such a hope, we act with great boldness, not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. Indeed, to this very day, when they hear the reading of the old covenant, that same veil is still there, since only in Christ it is set aside. Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Man, this passage to me is so rich. It is so rich about our story of restoration and what God is restoring. And I need you to understand something first before we dive more into this passage is it's saying restoration for us occurs in an intimate relationship with Jesus. In this passage, it says, when we turn to the Lord and surrender our lives to him, which is what Ben Kearns talked about last week, then we are like people with unveiled faces. And this is such an intimate picture because it's actually pointing to a passage in the Old Testament in Exodus with the story of Moses when he climbed up Mount Sinai to be in the presence of the Lord on behalf of the Israelites. And I actually want to read that passage this morning because I want you to understand what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians, what he's referring to. So there's only two passages, don't worry. I'm not going all over the place. So let me read Exodus 34, 29 through 35 so we can understand this intimacy of what Paul's writing about. It says, Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands. He was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near, near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on, my, on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Gosh, that is so good. And there's two things I want you to see in this passage. First, every time Moses approached the presence of the Lord, he removed his veil. There were no boundaries between him and the Lord. There was only intimacy. He did not need that veil to be with God. And then the second thing, though, I want you to see was that Moses had to put a veil on over his face, around the Israelites. And when you read Exodus, you'll go, okay, it's because his face was radiant and the Israelites were afraid. 
But then you look at 2 Corinthians and what Paul actually talks about is that Moses' face, the glory and radiance on Moses' face was actually fading away when he was apart from the Lord. When he wasn't with the Lord, the glory would fade away and the Lord didn't want, and Moses didn't want people to see God's glory fading away because really what Moses was doing was pointing to Jesus and the everlasting glory that he was going to bring that we could experience with him in that intimate relationship. That is the glimpse of what was happening with Moses for the real all everlasting glory that would happen with us. Because through the sacrifice of Jesus, we would constantly have an intimate relationship with him where the veil would be removed so that we could experience the everlasting glory every day. We could be in the presence of the Lord every day. And so when we say yes to Jesus, when we surrender to Jesus, that is where we are starting. We are in that presence just like Moses. But here's what I don't want you to miss. That intimacy that Moses had affected him. It changed him. He was radiant. He was physically changed. He had direction and knew where to go because of that intimate relationship and being in the presence of the Lord. And so that's significant for us to know that if the veil is removed for us, the more time we spend with Jesus, the more that we are going to be affected and transformed and restored. We are affected every time that we approach God. And to me, that is good news. But so now I want to look back at 2 Corinthians 3, and I want to look at verse 18, because I want to know with this kind of intimacy, then we get to approach God and be transformed with what it says here. And this is what it says. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. So here's two things I want you to think about with your restoration of who God's making you be. First is our restoration is continually seeing the glory of God in order to transform us into his image. It's continually seen. And I love that this uh, verse uses the language, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror. Because when you look in the mirror, maybe you woke up this morning, you looked in the mirror, you made sure your outfit looked good and it was on point, you checked your hair, you put your makeup on, you shaved your face, or you just woke yourself up in the mirror, okay? You look in the mirror and the point of the mirror is to study it. The point of the mirror is for you to see what's happening in front of you, the reality of what's happening, the reality of the change that's occurring. You get to study that and see it clearly instead of making assumptions or imaginations about what's going on. You get to study clearly and know what's happening. And so with this encouragement, when we say, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, We're saying to grow in the image of Christ, we need to take the time to see it, to see who God is, to see who God says you are, and to study that just like you study things in a mirror. But here's what I want you to know. Sometimes, sometimes we don't see everything. Sometimes you nick something and you don't see it and you walk in and you have like a half-shaved face, or you don't see that you have uh, something on your back that you didn't see before or you have a mess, I tend to have toothpaste on my t-shirt. You don't see it, you miss it. But that's okay because this, in this verse, it uses language that makes our process of restoration a continual one. Because we're saying in this 
in this whole series is we are one day going to be complete, one day fully restored, but we are not yet. And so it uses words like seen and from one degree of glory to the next. And so I, I believe, this is my belief, if you are still on this earth, God is not done with you yet. He has more to do. So the, the worst posture would be like, I'm good, all good, thanks Jesus, or I'm perfect, because God's like, no, 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 there's more. You are still here, and there's still more for you to see, because we are moving from one degree of glory to the next, which means we get to celebrate we get to celebrate the one degree of glory each time when God is transforming and restoring our heart. We get to celebrate that. We also get to come to God with humility and say, oh, what am I missing? I know I'm just one degree of glory to the next. I'm still seeing you, God. I'm still understanding the areas that I'm missing or the, the areas of sin that's a blind spot or the ways that I'm not loving people or the ways I'm drifting away from you. Help me, Lord, see that. And we get to be continually active. That's this verse is telling us to be continually active of seeing God every day in order to be restored. And if Moses can climb Mount Sinai multiple times for the Israelites, then we can sit with Jesus every day and ask him, what do I need to see? But here's what I don't want you to miss in this verse because it is so clear to Paul. He emphasizes that our restoration comes only from the Lord only from the Lord. And so restoring who God made us to be means being indifferent to everything else compared to the presence of the Lord. Everything else being indifferent. And I've been wrecked by this idea of what indifference is. Because what I'm not talking about is I'm not talking about being indifferent to life, apathetic to life, or apathetic to our faith. That is not at all what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is being indifferent to everything that is not the will of God that I don't know everything, and I know I have selfish tendencies, I know I have my own expectations, and so what would it look like for me to be indifferent and come to God and say, you tell me. What is it you want to tell me? And I got this idea that's been wrecking me about being indifferent to everything else except the presence of the Lord from a book called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership by Ruth Haley Barton. And she actually looks at the whole story of Moses and walks through his leadership, walks through what it looks like to sit in the presence of the Lord. And here's what she said, talks about indifference in our walk with the Lord means. She said, I am indifferent to matters of ego, prestige, organizational politics, personal advantage, personal comfort or favor, or even my own pet projects. The prayer for indifference can be a very challenging prayer for us to pray because most times we enter into decision-making with strong opinions and more than a little self-interest. It takes time and often a death to self is required before we can see God's will taking shape in our lives. Here we ask ourselves the question, what needs to die in me in order for the will of God to come forth in and among us? Gosh, and to me, that was so good because I know for myself, I have so many expectations for uh, myself and even for others, for where we need to be, what we need to do and not do, how we need to act, how we need to love, how we need to serve, and that's not working. What's working is looking at Jesus saying, what is it that you want me to do? Resting in his presence and saying, God, I need you to speak to me. I need you to lead me. I need you to guide me. 
And she writes it, Barton in her book writes, what needs to die in me in order for the will of God to come forth in and among us? But may my prayer each day when I sit with the Lord is, Jesus, what is it today that you are wanting to teach me to become and be restored more in your likeness? I want to be more like you, Jesus. I want you. All I want is you. And so what do I need to do? You show me. I don't, I'm tired of striving. I'm tired of expectations. I'm tired of doing it on my own because it's not working. And so it means me going and asking the Holy Spirit to come to the intimate parts of my heart, the deep parts, the parts that maybe I don't share with others, the parts that feel so broken and not good enough or enough to be restored and asking, God, I need you to meet me there. I need you to help me in that space. And here's the thing, sometimes it takes a long time and sometimes there's just silence. And I wanna encourage you this morning that silence is not bad because God is so good, he knows how much we need and when we need it. He knows how much to push us and when to put the brakes on. He knows what our growth process looks like. And so God is not worried, he is not in a hurry. You, he is still working in your life and he is not giving up on you. You are worth it to him. And so to trust his timing and your restoration to being the picture that he knows who you are. He created you. He loves you. He knows who he made you to be. So let's not worry because I've been sitting in, man, God is not a self-help help book. God is not a self-help book. He is not in a rush whatsoever. He is in the work of doing an everlasting restoration because you are so worth it to him. He would not have sent his son if he didn't think you were so worth it to him. And so I believe that God wants us to sit with him, to rest with him. If you're like, what does that look like? In prayer, maybe in solitude where you're just like, God, I'm gonna just be silent because we aren't very good at that. Or it's reading his word, or it's being in community and asking hard questions that people who are chasing after the Lord together. And I believe that when we sit and rest in the presence of the Lord with unveiled faces, just like Moses, asking the Lord, what is it that you want to show me? I have expectations, I have places I wanna be, but what is it today you want to show me? And then being indifferent to everything else, putting that aside in that moment with the Lord and saying, I just wanna follow you. I wanna be transformed and restored by your spirit and your spirit alone, so help me, Jesus. And so we're gonna sing a song here, and I want this to be more of a prayer. I want this to be our hearts crying out, saying, God, okay, lead me, guide me. I'm going to try to be indifferent to everything else and just listen to you and what you want to say to me, where you want to transform me, where you want to restore the parts of my heart. And I'm going to trust your timing is good, that your ways are good, that you are making me more and more holy in the image that you created me to be, which is in your image. Gosh, that's good news. And so I want us to sit in this song, asking the Holy Spirit's presence to fill our hearts, knowing that our restoration is knowing that his glory is really what our hearts long for. Being, knowing who we are and being made in his image is what we are craving over and over. So let's let him lead that. So let's make this our prayer this morning. Why don't you stand up and sing? If you're home and you wanna stand up, Let's sing this as a prayer together.